just don't be afraid to, you know, to think about you have something to offer. You have a story and to just follow that. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 48 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. Today's guest is Rhea Greif, who started talking about wellness well before it became a buzzword. She's a speaker for national seminars on soft skills. She also runs seminars, webinars, live coaxing, and she writes and produces content for City Scene Media Group. Rhea is also the radio producer and host of You Inc., which is found weekly on WSCBE 90.5, Central Ohio's NPR station. You Inc. is a show that's part wellness, part talk show with esteemed celebrities on how to build your brand. I was honored to be a guest on her show that aired on April 29th. You can listen to the episode at wcbe.org forward slash programs forward slash you hyphen Inc. In this highly charged episode, we discuss a wide variety of topics that all tie into our wellness brand. And reflecting back on this episode, Rhea possesses all the principles of improvisation in the way she takes on opportunity, the way she crafts her message to connect with her audience, to the way she lives life every day. She is very much a yes-and person who is highly adaptable, extremely successful, and a person who wants to make a difference in the world. You know that one of my goals for this podcast is to help you begin to make changes in your work and personal lives so you can connect better with others and create meaningful relationships. To be successful at change, you need to make this change a habit. And research shows that it takes 66 days to create a habit, not 21 days. That's why I created the Yes And Challenge, to keep these principles in front of you so you can build up your improvisational muscle. To sign up, please go to petermargaritas.com and scroll down to the Yes And Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building the productive habit of Yes And and the principles of improvisation. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, Use the improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life for $14.99 and the shipping's free. Please go to my website and you'll see the available now on my homepage. Just click and go to the shopping cart. You can follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter, my Twitter handle is at pmargaritas. Connect with me on LinkedIn by searching my entire name and on Instagram by searching P. Margaritas. Well, with that said, let's get to the highly charged interview with Rhea Greif. Rhea, thank you very much for being a guest on my podcast and taking time out of, I know, a very busy day that you have. 
I'm very happy to be with you again, Peter. That's nice. Always nice chatting with you. And uh, just so the audience knows, uh, Rhea and I go back maybe eight months or so. We met last year, last October, matter of fact, at a conference we were both speaking at, and you were in attendance in my in my session that I, I was uh, doing on, on using improvisation uh, about my book, and I asked for a volunteer, and you did not hesitate one second. <laughs> you jumped right up. looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a blast. Then after the fact, we found out that uh, we're both from Columbus. And we've kept in touch, and um, it's 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 great to have you on on the podcast. Just give the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do. Okay, well, um, I do quite a bit of thing, many things, as you had mentioned, Peter. So I'll just start um, with what I'm working on right now. Um, and we chatted a little bit about this before we started. Um, I'm speaking at an event called Pachakucha. Pachakucha. Pachakucha, and it's spelled P-E-C-H-A, and then the space, and then the second word is K-U-C-H-A, and it's um, it's kind of a speaking engagement. And like you had said, we had we had talked before we uh, started um, recording. We mentioned it's kind of like a TED talk, um, but the format is twenty photos, and you speak for each uh, on each photo for twenty seconds. That's so a total of six minutes. And when you're asked to speak, you're asked to tell a story about something um, that um, is remarkable enough to be asked to present it. Um, in this particular case, um, I had worked in a, I was a part of a community garden for many years. And then when I joined as the press chair for my civic association, um, we had, we were in charge of a park based on my experiences and how rewarding it was for me, for my children to be a part of growing things, being in the dirt, seeing how rewarding that is. I wanted to um, move that towards that being a public edibles initiative. And I had read about some of the urban forests that they had in Seattle. And I thought, you know, this would be a really great to be able to provide this for the public, for the people who are at the bus stop across the street, for the people who may be loitering there because they don't have anywhere else to go, uh, for the people that are shopping um, at the local businesses, for people that are just walking by who live in the neighborhood. So I successfully managed to write uh, two uh, grant cycles and received uh, funding in the terms in, uh, in the form of cash. And then I also um, got a lot of supplies in terms of soil enrichment and comp, soil enrichment, comp till, mulch, dirt. And uh, we did really well. We planted a bunch of local native fruit trees like pawpaws and, and also like sour cherry. Um, this year we're getting some nut bushes. Um, of course, we did our herbs. We did um, all sorts of vegetables as well. Um, and it went really, really well. So that's what I'm going to be speaking about this week. I also kind of have um, my foot in the fashion industry. Um, and I'm going to give you my little side stuff before we get into the meat of what I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I recently, um, recently, I was asked to be the model trainer for uh, um, Columbus College of Art and Design Fashion Show. Um, that just happened yesterday, actually. I'm very honored to be a part of that. Um, and also, I'm on the board of uh, the Fusion 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 Foundation, and that is a foundation that's also tied into fashion. So that's kind of my side stuff, my my interest fashion. Um, I published a couple of magazines uh, for a local um, uh, fashion uh, and music festival, also. So those are kind of my side things. Now, my main thing that I like to do and that I've been doing 
Um, even though I was trained to be a therapist, um, at some point in time in my life, I decided I wanted to move into the wellness the preventative part of the continuum rather than treatment. So I thought to myself, rather than spending one hour with one person dealing with their problems and trying to treat that, wouldn't it be great if I could speak to larger audiences and be on the preventative end of the continuum? And so I started doing some of that. I think I kind of got bit with that bug when I started doing group therapies. Um, and then just started working, um, have clinical director of my own benefits consulting firm, started working, uh, doing presentations for professionals of Fortune 500 companies, and then, um, and then uh, moved into working for a firm out of New York to do some of that stuff. And then that kind of led into doing some of that working, you know, speaking at national conferences like the ones that, the one that we met in. So true, true to form for me, I thought to myself one day, well, I want to reach more people. <laughs> and I said, hey, I know what, I want a radio show. And I wanted to have this radio show on this particular station that's our local uh, national public radio station. Um, here in Columbus, it's 90.5 um, WCBE or the call letters. Uh, we're moving into syndication in 2018. Um, and we also uh, encapsulate our, each one of our broadcasts uh, into podcasts. Um, I do two shows a week. The original show is called You Inc. And the mission of You Inc. Um, is to elevate the emotional intelligence of the populace. I feel like more than ever, there's just so many people who don't have the tools to speak to each other, who default to anger, ad hominem type of attacks, you know, and logical reasoning. And I really just want to give people the tools to do better for their brand and your brand is you Inc, right? I always think of myself as Rhea Inc. I'm always thinking to myself, is this good for my brand? Is this good for my brand? So kind of sharing that and giving people the ability to um, maximize their experiences with others, you know, elevate um, themselves, enlighten and elevate um, and to be able to kind of, you know, create bridges instead of dams. You know, and giving those tools. So tools can range from anything, from optimism to resiliency to multiplicity, which was the one that we did together when you were, you were on the show. And, and just every week, it's a different tool. And, and then what I do is I introduce a guest um, onto the show, and we talk about, and this guest is someone who's particularly successful in wielding this particular wellness tool. And then we you know, do a series of you know, little interview questions that pertain to that tool. So that's you, Inc. And then I saw an opportunity to do a little tune-up, a little five-minute module, um, which is a little bit more, it's a little bit more um, lighter in feeling. The Ewing Show also go, has a library of books and articles, scholarly articles that we refer to so that people can have something to follow up with. Um, those are all located um, on our websites and are mentioned in, in our program and in our podcast. Um, but YouTune, which is the second show, is basically a five-minute tune-up. And it talks about that tool, but it's a little bit more humorous. I give a smaller anecdote of what, well, how I wielded that tool in my personal life. So that's kind of the connection to how you, Inc., we bring on a guest while I do my little snippet of myself. And then in YouTune, we also mention a movie, which kind of um, is also, again, like more entertainment. So like you, Peter edutainment. It's what it's all about. And you and I have talked about this. I think it's important to, you know, deliver a message in a way where people don't feel like it's too preachy 
or, um, you know, it's too heavy. And that way it's just open and available to everyone. And when you get people to enjoy what they're listening to, they're more attentive, right? Rather than it's feeling like, okay, oh, here's another lesson. I don't really don't want to deal with that. And, you know, I joke about with YouTube, you know, like if, if you don't have time to go to a shrink, just here's five minutes with me. <laughs> so, so where, so where you can find these things, as I mentioned, the show, you Inc. is, um, and you tune are both, uh, on our local, on our central Ohio's NPR station. Um, our website is wcbe.org and, um, you can look up you Inc. there. If you want, you can do a slash programs slash you hyphen Inc. Um, or you could just, you know, look for, uh, Rhea Greif under the search bar or you Inc. under the search bar. Once you get to the uh, website, we're also on iTunes, um, and on SoundCloud. Um, and we started putting up, we've even started putting up the, uh, the little modules, because they're a lot of fun. One one thing that I'm also going to be doing soon, I'm, I don't I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Also, we're going to start working on doing uh, fun uh, fun things with uh, anger management, for example. So you know, like when you're driving and you think that this person who's swerving in front of you is like you know not paying attention, or um, if they take a turn really slowly, it's because they're being a jerk. Um, and what we want to show is that you think that that's what they're doing, but in reality, there's a person there with a cat in a cat carrier taking them to the vet and saying, don't worry, Pookie, it'll be okay. So we're doing something that's really funny, kind of like SNL shorts, um, but that hasn't launched yet. Um, but anyway, um, for if you want to find uh, us on um, iTunes, it's U Inc. Radio, what the uh, name of the podcast is. And um, on SoundCloud, it's, um, it's also the same. Um, it's U Inc. Radio, and you'll see WCB FM for NPR. So, yeah, check us out. You'll really enjoy it. Um, I'm always looking for feedback. Most of the feedback that we've received, if not all of it, has been really positive. I think people really are looking for something like this, especially in these types of days. We really want to build those bridges. So, that's in a nutshell, I think. What's going on? I'm also a mom. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, do you, one, one, do you get to spend any time with your, your two beautiful children and you have a husband? And I want to know, do you sleep and how much co- Greek coffee do you drink? <laughs> um, I, so my coffee of choice is what's called the 701. It's at our local um, uh, coffee shop here, Cup of Joe. And then I add two extra. It's a, I get a large 701 with two extra shots. And that's a total of five shots of espresso in that and, and the large brewed coffee on top of that. So it's, that's quite a bit. And that gets me going. That's, I would say so. My, my, my brother, my brother drinks something along those lines, but wait, wait I, I have to stop you for a second. I, 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 we got to take a huge, big uh, rewind here. What is the name of the park that, that you did all this work for? got the grant money and, and, and we're going to be speaking at that, uh, the six minute piece on. Um, it's Portal Park, Portal Park. It's uh, here in Clintonville, and it's the smallest park in the city of Columbus. So one of the things that I'm going to say is, like, if I can do it there, you can do it anywhere. So I'm actually looking at other parks where people can duplicate this public edible initiative. And it's Portal Park, P-O-R-T-A. Mm-hmm, Portal Park. Okay. And where's it located in Clintonville? It's located at 18 East Arcadia, so basically, it's on the corner of Arcadia and High Street. Um, it's um, it shares the parking lot of uh, Tim Hortons is kind of underneath it, and there's also Lucky's Market is in the same kind of uh, block across the street is Acre, 
And then across High Street it used to be um, PJ's, I think it's PJ's Tavern, but they're closed down now. Okay, so I do have a, a, a fairly large audience here in the Columbus, Ohio area. I, I, I suggest that all of you guys go check it out. I, I'm I'm going to go um, check it out as well. That that just fascinates me that the energy and the drive and the determination that you have to get something done for the community goes um, way beyond what a lot of uh, a lot of people do. And I, I commend you highly on that. That that was fa- that was fascinating to know. And I I'm I'm going to see if I have can come down to, and, and watch you do the presentation. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's this Thursday. I was going to say, is, do they do this once a month? Is it uh, every couple weeks? Is it once a week? How many times do they do this um, uh, speaking engagement? They don't do it monthly exactly, or they might do it monthly, but it's not, not extremely frequently. And then Portal Park is something that we do. Um, we have people come out. You, we're on Facebook, Friends of Portal Park. You can come out to any of our care days. We're also a registered Earth Day site. And so we have about 100 people come through the week of Earth Day to help, you know, kind of do the plantings for spring and things like that. Especially we have 50 bushes coming into that little teeny park uh, the week of Earth Day. So we, um, we are a registered site and people come in. But we always have events. So check out. Friends of Portal Park on Facebook. Um, Pachacucha is also on Facebook. And so is Uink. Rhea is uh, Inc. with Rhea Grice and Guests is also on Facebook if you want to check us out there. Um, we're also on Twitter, of course. Again, it's uh, Inc. Radio, and it's at Uink Tool is our handle. And we're also on Instagram, so you can find us anywhere. You get social media covered. So I, I have to. I, I, I've been wanting to ask this question, and, and I haven't because I wanted to do do it on, on on my podcast. Well, how did you pitch NPR to you um, give you a radio show? I find that fascinating. Well, you know, I, I guess like I, I was just driving down, driving on the highway, and I always listen to this station, and I, and I, I said, you know, I was just like. I want to do this. So I basically just went forward, contacted the station manager and just told him what my idea was. And um, Dan Michalko, uh, the station manager at, um, at WCBE, wonderful gentleman, extremely intelligent. You know, he was you know, very busy at the time, the SNET. And then I managed to contact the staff, the support staff person, Melanie Wells, to whom I'm always going to be eternally grateful for printing my emails and putting them on his desk to make sure that, uh, cause she loved the concept too. So I guess the concept also resonated with the people there. Um, I have to say, and it also coincided with the fact that a lot of shows on NPR are going off the air and are, and have gone off the air like car talk. Um, and so there was this opening. So it was also this, incredible opportunity of serendipity to where they're looking to fill in shows that have been there historically for many, many, many years and now are going off the air. So I also got very, very lucky in terms of, uh, in terms of timing. And so I was asked to uh, fill out a proposal and it was, it was not, it was not a, like a one pager. It was like a <laughs> 10 page proposal Okay. Um, it had you had to give evidence towards the effectiveness of what you were doing and the need to, for it, um, and then I also had to do uh, some small modules. I had to do some pilots, and um, I did. And then the other thing that I did is I made sure that I volunteered at every single possible event so that I wouldn't go away. 
it took about, I was about, took about six months before, um, I even got a, approval for the, for the proposal. And then after that, it was another, it was, it was a long process, probably another six months before I even got my pilot on the air. So it was a one year process of just, you know, just being tenacious and, um, and really bringing, you know, just making sure that what I presented was extremely well thought out and it was just, the format was just very appealing to people. And in fact, when people hear the show, they just, they just really get a lot of value out of it. So there's a lot, large amount of value out of it. And I think for me, the most important part was I didn't want to do just another talk show. I wanted to do something that was really directly related to offering something that people could use, a tool that they could use to build their brand. It is a very good show. And I, I, tenacity is uh, that's you uh, uh, right. but you you said something there that you had you had the idea you know made some connections but then you volunteered so they got so they got to know you the the gentleman when we did our episode the gentleman who was producing it he shared a story with me that he was with a, a radio station here in the Columbus area for many years uh, left and wanted to come work at uh, uh, the, the local NPR station. And he was talking about how he got his job was by spending time volunteering at the radio station and get, be, getting noticed. So I, I, I want to use that in, in, to the audience. If, if you're looking to do something, you've got this passion, you, you, you want to get in front of, uh, of a group. Uh, one way is obviously through the proposal process or, or a writing or whatever. The other is attending their events, volunteering, meeting people, and making those connections. That goes, as you can see, uh, excuse me, you can't say, as you can hear, it goes a long, long, long way. It does. And, you know, and, you know, I myself too, you know, have had, you know, I, I occasionally have interns um, come and work because they, this is their way of getting into this medium. So they get to meet people, they get to come to these events, and then eventually they get hired. I mean, almost every single person that has worked with me as you know, a student that has worked with me after graduation has moved on to working in that field that they worked with, you know, had worked with me. So I, I think it's very important for people to really take that message that, you know, like you said, you put, you just got to be there. You just got to be present. And also people build trust. They like, Oh, I've known this person for four years. They've always shown up on time. They've provided this added value to our brand. So you also get the opportunity to show them that you're good, you're trustworthy, and you have something to offer. And then also even better, you know, they, they get used to having you around them. They want to keep having you around. Right. And, and, and I heard a couple of words there that resonate in my world of improv. You said the word trust, which is one of the principles of improvisation, and also being present, which is a principle of improvisation. And you're right. I mean, I always say, who do you do business with? People you trust or you don't trust? Okay. And how do you, and how, and then, so, so that's the easy answer, but I think the challenge is how do you gain someone's trust? And in, and in this case was being present, be, having them see you, have, have, have them get to know you and, and building that quote unquote relationship over time to the point where, where they, where they, where they approved your show, you're on, uh, NPR and, and for those of you in central Ohio, those of you in Ohio in her third episode of this radio show, she interviewed some guy by the name of Gene Smith. 
who what the athletic director at the Ohio State University. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Gene is such a great guy. He's he's always been so gracious. I actually worked with Gene on a photo shoot that I did, um, a spring 10-page fashion uh, spread for um, our our sister media outlet, um, CityScenColumbus.com. And Kathy Gill is the president and the the CEO of, uh, of that. And they produce, they write, they have a publication. So there's lots of, lots of them. And when I started doing the magazine, my, my magazine, I had met her at this party and I said, Kathy, you know, I'm like, I'm really stumbling across these printing costs. She goes, get in touch with me. I'll, I'll help you out. And she did. And, um, and then after that, I was like, Hey, and pitched to her too. I was like, Hey, I do this wellness stuff. How about I write some articles for you? So she, Occasionally, and actually, I have a deadline this week. Occasionally, you know, she'll ask me to write an article, and you know, we'll publish it. And then, I then I pitched this fashion idea to her. She's like, "Sure, let's do it." And Jean Smith was one of the people that came to that shoot, and we put him on the cover. And then, so I was like, "All right, let me see if I can parlay this into a show." And there you go. There you have it. There's Larry Smith, who is also who did an episode with us. Um, he is the husband of uh, Piper Kerman from Orange is the New Black. So he was also on the show. And him and David kind of are big into storytelling. David all did civic hacks and storytelling and getting people to, to take that jump to be an entrepreneur. And both of these guys are really inspiring in terms of, you know, just you just keep putting yourself out there and just don't be afraid to, you know, to think about, you have something to offer. You have a story and to just follow that, you know, and not to be afraid um, to take those risks and take those chances. And that's, you know, that's what I've always done. And it's always worked. <laughs> not good when I'm going to fall flat at my presentation. If the, the no, no, you won't. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> But no, no, you won't. I, 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 I know you, but I don't know no, you, but I know you, but, I, but I yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you'll nail it. But, but it's you know what holds a lot of people back is, is that fear of failure, that that fear of of or that fear of looking stupid or saying something. But you know what, you you got to take a risk. You, you don't, you know, you have to accept you have to accept failure not as something negative, but as something positive in a sense that it's a learning experience more than anything. You know, I wonder about that sometimes. Like, I wonder, is it a fear of failure? Or is it a fear of succeeding? Because honestly, you know, when you, when you get to this next level of success, let's say, every time you get to this next, you know, point where you get up and up and higher, then there's like, there's more pressure, right? And so now you have to really produce and people have expectations of you. And I think sometimes that's even scarier. Like when I first got the green light to do this, and, you know, I had Gene Smith there and <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, who do you think you are, Rhea? Like, who do you think you are? You know, you have, you start to have these ideas and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. You know, you're more afraid of the success where people like take you at your word that you can do this and now you have to perform. So I guess, it, you know, it's both sides of that fear of failure, fear of succeeding kind of thing. And then, you know, there's, then there's that pressure because people think, oh, well, she can do this much. And then you think they, they expect a lot from you. But really, you know, when, when I start to feel that way, when I start to feel overwhelmed that way, I just know that what works for me is to be prepared to do my homework and to really push myself 
to do more and to do, to just keep doing more and more. And another thing, my pro tip, I would say, um, if people are looking uh, for a pro tip, um, don't look at, at least this is what works for me. I never once, when I was putting my format together for my radio show, I never once looked up what those templates were supposed to be. Never. When I, when I put together articles or when I decided to do fashion shoots, I've, I never looked at how other people did it for me to find out how I should do it. I just did what I thought was right. And of course, it's, it's, you know, it's based on experience. It's based on excellence. It's based on doing my research in terms of making sure I have the right information and that I'm, you know, really, you know, do, you know, producing something of high quality and, you know, high value. But there's a book that I read. It's called The Cheat Code, which kind of talks about that. And it just says, you know, just, just do it, just go move forward and do, do what you think it works. And most people, like if you think about great musicians, great writers, they broke mold, right? The greats. They just did whatever it is they wanted to do. Like, for example, you know, thinking of a contemporary band that would mirror that would be 21 Pilots, for example. You know, they were, I read something about they were, when they first started getting popular was during the Mumford and Sons type of era. And they had asked them to kind of change their sound. They're like, no way, this is what we're doing. And as long as it takes, you know, and, and I, I think they're excellent musicians. You think even further back, like, you know, Beastie Boys, you know, people who are great musicians did things because they just did what Queen is another example. Oh my God, they're so talented, you know? So just do what it is that you want to create, create something new. You don't have to look for that template. When you were talking about the fear of success uh, and, and how you described it, takes me back to episode 39 with Maureen Zapala, who talks about this imposter syndrome. This imposter syndrome uh, affects people like ourselves because we're highly driven. We want to do, but then as you said, you're sitting here getting ready to talk to Gene Smith. You're going, who in the heck do I think I am? Right. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I was doing the same thing prior to calling you. Uh, who do I think I'm to talk to, to Rhea? You're sweet. You're sweet. <laughs> but, You're so sweet. But I, I think that that that's also a very valid point. That that imposter syndrome, that fear of success, can paralyze some people because, as you said, that that level of risk increases, the level of stress increases, the demands on you uh, increase. And I, I think some people thrive for that, want to want to jump through it. And some people go, you know what, I, I'm just comfortable right now at this. And, and I don't want, I don't want to attempt that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that's okay too. If people, some people are comfortable where they are and that's completely okay as well. I mean, you know, I can tell you this is not for everyone, you know, where I have to, you have to sit there and you have managing multiple individuals, you're managing, you know, multiple projects, you're creating things and you're, you're being on public display. And, you know, it's, it certainly is not what you would call low pressure. There is constantly on my mind, I have to send out this email. I have to do this. I have to do that. It's, it is a lot to take in and it, it's not for everyone. And that's fine. I just don't want people to hold themselves back. You know, just if you feel like you want it, just jump, jump into it. Just go for it. Just go for it. And, and speaking of your upcoming presentation, you said, you said the magic word in, in order to be successful at doing that is the preparation that goes into it. And I call it preparation is not perfection. Uh, 
because you might make a mistake. In six minutes, you might make one mistake, but don't let that one mistake set you back. But the more you prepare, the more the more you turn it into a conversation versus a presentation. And that's the ultimate goal in front of any audience is to turn it into a conversation versus a presentation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like that. That's uh, I like the way that sounds because you're right. Because if you are prepared, you don't have to worry about presenting it because it's already a part of you, and then it can just be something that just comes out. And it's it feels it sounds to the public that it's organic, and in essence, it does become organic because you you put that into yourself and it becomes a part of you. So that's why it feels and it sounds organic because you have made it a part of who you are. Absolutely. Yeah, I um I, I wholeheartedly. I, I watch a lot of TED talks and I watch the I, I watch a lot of speakers and you know they 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 look so cool, calm, and collected and, and they know their stuff inside and out. But what people tend to, what people tend to forget is all the preparation they've put in for that one hour or all the preparation they put in for that six minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's um you know I'm thinking about just this like six minute thing. I'm. I'm going through records. I'm getting old photographs, you know, from the park. From the, I'm getting the history of it. You know, I'm going around looking at other parks where people can make this happen. And this is, and I'm doing this for six minutes. You know, yeah. Yeah. and but so in one of the things too, you know, when you know working with some of um, my junior staff um, and some of the interns, you know, when we when like asking them to help develop some of the questions, right? To give them, to see, you know, because how, what they come up with. And, you know, I've said, I've made this clear. It's like, if you can ask a question of this person and any other person on this planet, then it's not specific enough. This question has to be so specific that it has to be all, it can only be asked of this particular individual. So that for me tells me that, you have to find out who this person is. You have to link it to something that you read about them. It has to be tied into the tool also. And so that's that preparation that we talk about. That I think that's when things really come across. And that's why, you know, people like to hear things like U Inc. and UTune. It's because it really is something that has taken time to be developed. You know, when you think about when you think about other great things like Saturday Night Live, for example, you know, it's just so well done, the writing, and you just your mind. You get that you get that feeling of like mind blown, you know, when you read a really good book, you know. And there's so many of them out there right now. Like for example, I'm reading this book uh, right now, uh, talking about the whole history. I mean, this is one person who wrote this, the entire history of the settling of New York, right? from the days of New Amsterdam, like the whole history in detail. And you read this and you think to yourself, my God, this person, like, you know, how in the world did he do that? And he, no doubt, countless hours of pouring over material, assembling it, you know, probably had one of those big storyboards out there. It's just incredible. It's incredible. So, you know, and it feels good too. When I was talking to Dan Michalko, the station manager over there at WCBE, you know, you know it too. Like once you, when you work on something, you work on something, how do you know you're done? There's this moment when you write that one last word and you say, that's it. It's perfect. That's it. You know, you just know, you just have this moment of like something clicks. 
And then when you, when you have that moment, when the, on the receiving end, people get that moment of mind blown. So that's, you know, those are some indicators that people are looking for. Well, how do I know? Those are kind of the things that you want to look for to know. Yeah. You, you, you know, when, 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 cause you, cause you struggle to either, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't feel right. This, you know, something's missing or, or a lot of comedians that a lot of people think they just come up with these jokes and no, they, they, mine, they mine them, they craft them, they polish them. They, uh, my, my friend Dan, Dan Swarthout, who, uh, is a comedian, uh, a nationally touring comedian who I interviewed and I'm trying to find his episode here. Uh, back in episode 17, we talked about writing and writing jokes and, and, and the time that you put in trying to craft that, that only lasts for maybe 10 seconds or 30 seconds, uh, the, the amount of time and energy that you put into it to craft it, to get it right and to polish it. I, I remember years ago, I wrote a joke. It took me two years to complete it. Mm-hmm. And it was always stuck in the back of my head. And I, I just, I, there was something that I, I was, I, I was missing. I couldn't see it. I couldn't find it. Then one day, and then that one day I went, aha, I got it. And then ta-da. And I went out and did it and it worked. And then, okay, now I can park that and just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That is so true. By the way, that book, by the way, is, named, is called a, The City of Dreams. The 400-Year Epic History of Immigrant New York. And one cute thing that I learned from there, Alexander Hamilton was actually not even born in the U.S. I mean, there were a lot of generations of New Yorkers then, but he was an actual immigrant, um, Alexander Hamilton was. I think he was, uh, but he was not born in the United States, oh, even back then. Yeah, yeah, I don't know a lot of people know that. So you ache... You you've interviewed some very interesting people. When you talked to Gene Smith, the the, the the topic was resiliency. And episode two with Jamie Goldstein was about create creativity. And your initial podcast with uh, Cheryl Harrison was about dreams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then ours was about multiplicity. So you've got you've got these themes that you come in every week, and you've done your work, you've done your research, and then you ask ask the uh, uh, you have a uh, somewhat of a dialogue with the uh, with the guest. And I had actually I had a blast at it. It was a lot of fun. I, but but as I told you, I'm used to being on the asking side, not the receiving <laughs> side. So I will say it was weird at first. It, but it also it, it, it also gave me a lot of more compassion to those who I interviewed because I kind of know what they're going through. And I will put on the uh, I will post it when our episode goes live on. And I and I can say that I've. I've been interviewed on NPR, which thank you very much for. That was one of my oh, all, ta- all time all time bucket list. So nice. So outside of all of this, what else do you do? I mean, you must have so much free time on your hands. Right. Well, you know, I, I have I have my kids, um, and um, we are screens light, meaning they don't have any devices. We do one hour of Netflix. So um, we do things like they do Kung Fu um, and tumbling, and then they both cheer, actually. You know, it's just something to keep them involved so they can develop their talents. We saw um, my friend David Neva, who is in the Columbus Symphony Orchestra. He did a little um, small concert at the Performing Arts Center on Sunday. So we try to, we try to be cultured. Um, I took the kids to see the Odd Squad at the Ohio Theater um, on Saturday. 
I try to keep them cultured. Um, I, I don't think of, well, one, they don't have devices because um, screens are really bad. And I feel like saying this like in like uh, with the South Park character, screens are bad. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, there's a book that <laughs> there's a book that came out called Glow Kids. And for all of the parents out there, please, please read this book. Um, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like my personal <sighs> crusade is a good word. Screens for are dopaminergic. So what they do is they create dopamine in your brain. Same thing as cocaine. So giving children screens is like giving them cocaine. And you can read this book if, to get the verification. There's science behind it. It's very, very dangerous. It's called glow kids. There's another book that just came out. That's even talking about how it's really creating addictive behaviors in children and adults. So not only are we just addicted to the screens, but then we addictively shop. Uh, we addictively get engage in other types of screen behaviors, gaming, you know, might maybe even some other areas. So this, this book is called irresistible and just came out. So I am really anti-screens. And um, as a result, like I said, what we do is we really try to get involved with, you know, doing stuff at our rec center. We go to the library once a week. Um, we do um, we do cultural things. Like I mentioned, you know, listening to classical music live and going to theater and performances of that nature. And, you know, we we enjoy doing that quite a bit. So that's the other stuff that we get involved in, in terms of other things that we do around here. My husband and I, we try to go dancing. Oh, no, we, 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 we have to stop this interview because my wife's going to listen to this. We have to stop it right here <laughs> and stop it right now. <laughs> you, oh, Rhea, you just got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to, we, it's important that we do that also. Yeah, so then that's, you know, kind of the other stuff that we do. Um, I think that's, I think that covers, I think you've got most of, Rhea encapsulated there. I think you. I think you got. You got her. <laughs> I. I. I, th I think I do, and, and I, I do follow you on Facebook. And thanks for clarifying because man, I was. I you know, I was watching you. You. You were playing Monopoly the other day, weren't you, with the kids on the floor or something? I'm going. Wow! Come on, Stephen, get down here. We're playing some rummy. You know, get 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 away from that screen. Oh yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, but but you do. You do keep a very busy life. Uh, you're extremely talented. Uh, I'm I, I, looking through your, your your LinkedIn bio, and uh, <laughs> the one thing I want—I have to ask this question: Are you still? Are, do you still bartend at the Greek Festival in Columbus? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> it's on your I, LinkedIn profile, so. <laughs> yeah, I yeah no, I I used to. I did that for a number of years. Um, but now um, I, the Greek festival and the Comfest that I kind of moved into working with Comfest. I MC at Comfest now. So I'm heavily involved with that festival. And then the Labor Day weekend too, there was another festival, Fashion Music Festival, which I published their magazines and I work with their talent and I'm on the board of their Fusion Foundation. So 
Other things have drawn me away from the Greek festival, unfortunately. But it was a it was a good time while I did it. It definitely was a very good time. Oh, I bet it was. I've uh, actually I, a couple of times I've worked the Sakonaki booth there many years ago, and <laughs> I, I always looked over and you guys, the, 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 the people who were pouring the beer and had the doing the wine and, and the ouzo and stuff, they were having a yeah, they were having just as much fun as we were trying to catch ourselves on fire. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, then people come over and they say, oh, come on, do a Uzo shot with me. You have to. <laughs> oh, oh, you have to. You're going, you don't want to offend anyone. You have to. <laughs> now, now quit playing with my dopamine right now. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Rhea, I, 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 I really appreciate you taking time. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. You brought a lot of ideas that I know that my audience will gravitate to, uh, and I look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, if anyone ever wants to um, shoot me an email, you're always welcome to do that. Um, you can send me an email at Rhea, R-I-A, at, Two Rogues, and that's the number two, and then it's rogues, R-O-G-U-E-S dot com. Feel free to shoot me an email if you want me to um, answer a question, if you have an idea. I'm always listening. Uh, okay, now, now that you brought that up, how did you come up, how did you come up with the name of the business as Two Rogues? <laughs> well, um, so kind of a behind-the-scenes person that helps me out a lot here is my husband, but... So there's some of that quality in there that he's one of the rogues here in the family. But there's also this, um, and we talked about you and I have a lot of similarities in this. There's this, you know, kind of analytical side and there's this creative side. So there's the the lone wolf. The lone wolf is known as also um, as being a good parent. Um, and the wolf is just kind of this, you know, wild figure <laughs> that's just out there just doing its thing. And then there's the the untamable mare which is another aspect of who I am. So there's kind of like both sides and, you know, the logo kind of shows like these, like these roguish figures, but I just feel like it embodied everything that I try to do in terms of just going out there, setting the own path, trailblazing and, you know, just embodying all sides of, you know, your, your, the two, this kind of like these two heads going apart. So embodying both sides of everything. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for clarifying that for me. And uh, yeah, we do we do have a lot in common. <laughs> well, uh, Rhea, thank you again so very much for taking time out. I've enjoyed this conversation, and I look forward to a future conversation. As I once said, um, and I, I can only imagine which, where, where we will take that next direction. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to our next conversation. I would like to thank Rhea again for taking time out of her schedule to give us her thoughts on bringing wellness into our lives so we can make a difference in our own lives as well as the lives of others. In episode 49, I interview Thaddeus Rex in The Science of Charisma. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is no joke. Use your improvisation to create positive results in leadership and in life for $14.99 and the shipping's free. Please go to my website and you'll see the available now on my homepage. Just click and go to the shopping cart. You can follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter, my Twitter handle is at P Margaritas. 
Connect with me on LinkedIn by searching my entire name and on Instagram by searching P. Margaritas. Once again, thank you for listening and remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you grow your wellness brand. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.